What? What? No. What? Back it up. No. Back it up. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkins from Cinema Sins, joined as always by the voice of Cinema Sins, Jeremy Scott. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's what I got today. <clears throat> and for music video sins, Barrett Share. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I agree. Uh, I I can vouch for that. Uh, 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 we're recording on Election Day here. In yeah. <laughs> so by the time this comes out. We probably still won't know who's president. <laughs> I can't wait to listen to that on Monday and be like, he was right. He was right. <laughs> um, yeah. So forgive us if uh, something incredible, good or bad, has occurred in the time yeah. between our recording and the release. That's true. That's true. Uh, what uh, What better way to celebrate Election Day uh, than to just do a basic-ass episode? Basic-ass we got our rants and our recommends and we're mailbag and all that. So we should um, call them bays, basic ass episodes. Yeah, they are bays. Mm-hmm. You're right. Bays. Uh, anybody pissed off about anything? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. I've got Uh-oh, a question. Bear's hand went up immediately. Okay. Okay. Some okay. some sad news to start, and then I want to get into more complicated stuff. Okay. Sean Connery. Legend of film and TV. I don't know if he ever did TV. Stage and <laughs> Just give him uh, TV. Died recently as of the recording of this episode at 90 years old. Mm-hmm. And he leaves behind a complicated legacy. Okay. Mm-hmm. It had some um, charges that I think were verified about domestic abuse and assault. Uh, some of those old Bond movies, Jeremy and I literally a few days ago were talking about how those old Bond movies do not hold up in terms of how men treat women. They sure as fuck Uh, They do not. Uh, Of course, that would not be the fault of Sean Connery. That would be the fault of James Bond and Ian Fleming and all that stuff. But, man, it, it seemed like every think piece or even obituary that I read about this guy really called that out, really called out his complicated legacy. And I don't see that for other celebrities that have died fairly recently uh, until at least, you know, a couple weeks later or something like that. Let's, you know, let's get the grieving over with. And then we talk about it for whatever reason with Sean Connery. I kept seeing that come up. Over and over again. Did you guys see that with anything that you were reading or hearing? Um, I did. Uh, what I saw was reference to a Barbara Walters interview he did in, yep. I think, the 80s, uh, where he was given a chance to uh, walk back a quote that suggested he thought it was okay in certain circumstances to beat women. And instead of walking it back, doubled down. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the exact quote, but it wasn't good. 
but I did not see anything that said he had actually beaten women, hmm. just that he said publicly he didn't have a problem with it, and that might suggest he had done that. Um, but this is, I think, part of part of Twitter. I think if you're not on Twitter, you probably didn't see that. You probably saw mm. mostly celebrations of him. And I saw a lot of that on Twitter from respected Hollywood people. Um, uh, and I, I think Twitter has this, you know, both extremes are super loud kind of thing. And, and the last handful of major celebrity deaths, I feel like whatever scandal was in there past came up as soon as they died along with all of this i'm trying to remember who it was except kobe dude except kobe kobe like it took weeks for that reality check kobe was really weird because there i did see it i did see people saying let's not forget he probably raped this girl and paid her off and there was backlash against that yeah 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 as though you can't bring that up anymore and that Kobe is different, um, yeah. but there have been two or three celebrities. I'll I'll try and Google them later. I know there's uh, talking. Kirk Kirk Douglas was another one that was yes, had some, yes, definitely some some checkered uh, past uh, issues. But again, you know the, you know it's gonna be like that for almost everybody of this age. Unfortunately, like there there's gonna be these complicated things that you know that were, were considered either not as bad or just straight up condoned back in these earlier days and everything um so you know it's it, it, it everybody who's of that age I, I mean i don't i don't know there's not going to be very many that doesn't have something that you can go back uh, and say that about unfortunately like like god forbid <clears throat> alec baldwin ever dies what will his obituary be? You know, he's 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 got a checkered past for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but, uh, you know, it seems like America, at least, has, has turned to where like, oh, you know, he is who he is. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going to happen when Woody Allen dies? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just such a weird I think I've just noticed this as a recent phenomenon rather than. You know, Chuck Berry was another one uh, that that came mm-hmm. up to where it was all positive, all positive. And it only after a couple of weeks or so. Oh, yeah. By the way, he filmed some women in the bathroom of his restaurant. <laughs> I'm like, God, yeah, he went to jail for I think that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I guess things are changing. And I guess these complicated legacies being explored immediately is probably for the public's good, right? We want the whole picture. Uh, but it just seemed a little startling when it came to Sean Connery, who has, you know, millions of other positive things to be said about, let alone his career, that that it it shifted negative fairly quickly. Yeah. 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 I uh I have still yet to find who else I was thinking of, but I'll find it and insert it later. Well, dude, uh, a lot of people died this year. <laughs> But I do I think that's a, mean that. a. I do think that's largely a social media phenomenon. I think if you had, if this was two thousand, Chris ninety nine, and we were working at the theater, it would be people coming into work going, "Dude, Sean Connery died. Did you hear?" And we all be like, "Oh, it sucks." And there would be nobody 
at the movie loving movie theater that would go, let's not forget that one time he said the thing about beating women. Yeah, that um, definitely wouldn't have happened at all. So I just think it's a time and place kind of a thing. And I think there's much more to celebrate than to criticize. But I agree with Barrett that, you know, history ultimately, whether, the, whether it's the day they die or not, uh, should have a nuanced full picture of the person. That's why Michael Jackson anniversaries are so frustrating for me is that yeah. nobody's allowed to bring up that stuff anymore. And you get, especially like on Twitter, you just get beat down because of that mob is bigger than the mob that wants to go. Is it okay to sleep in bed with little boys though? Um, and I also said, I don't know if this is appropriate or just really wrong, but I said to Patrick the other day, I think that celebrities should get one day after they're dead to be remembered not mm. and it can be the day they died or the birthday but not both because i'm yeah. sick of michael jackson getting celebrated twice a year every time every year on my timeline timeline and you know just pick one and go with it sorry that's just a yeah, silly yeah. rant to me but it's just, it feels like a, <laughs> an excuse to create content whether it's personal tweets or or blog articles uh, today's the day kobe bryant was born let's remember him okay that wasn't significant until he died <laughs> Right. So, yeah, exactly. I don't no, know. there were there were like nineteen tributes during this small NBA season to Kobe Bryant, and yeah. like he was a good basketball player. That's all I know about him, and I know that he had he did some shitty stuff off the court. It just goes to show that we as humans are ill-equipped to handle both uh, of those kind of uh, things at the same time, right? Yeah. Yeah. We don't know exactly where everybody's looking for a bottom line about what they felt about Sean Connery or whatever. And you're either going to be like, Oh, he was a legend. All those, all those great roles, all those great movies he was in. And then there's going to be the others who are like, who gives a fuck about that. This guy did this shit. And mm. there's nobody who can seem to, I don't know. It's, it's even hard for me to be like, well, he, you know, like, you know, how do you do a balanced thing on this? You have to consider everything. Uh, you know, when he died, I was like, Oh my God, that's a, that's a loss. Mm. Uh, was my, was my first, uh, reaction to it. And then, yeah, I did think about, I thought about that Barbara Walters thing, like two minutes after that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah. Cause I remember that. Um, that was a big, that was actually a big deal. Even back then that was a big deal. Uh, but, uh, at the same time, yeah, I don't know if we're equipped to be able to handle something in kind of that, uh, even handed way and have a, have a, a, a nice down the line opinion about you, you gotta have to, you have to accept both. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's what, uh, I mean, I try to live my life like this more and more. The older I get is to see the world as gray. It's not, it's not black and white. Like the people I look up to have probably got some skeletons in their closet. Um, and you know, it's okay with me that every time somebody wants to talk about what a great player Peyton Manning was. Somebody in the comments wants to bring up the story about him sticking his balls in some trainer girl's face. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. In college. Yep. It's okay with me because there's enough evidence to me that something happened. They basically paid that girl off and then everything else has been stories and hearsay. Uh, but I understand that just because I respect his athletic ability, uh, doesn't mean he's perfect where i'm not perfect how can i mm. expect somebody i look up to to be perfect uh and i realize you know 
there are varying degrees of un, of imperfection. Uh, Harvey Weinstein does not equal, you know, Sean Connery. Um, mm-hmm. But I think we need to look at everybody with nuance and see the full picture. And and, and that's I want to do that with fucking history, man, because the history they taught me in grade school and middle school, U.S. history, is all just something somebody chose. Like the whole Paul Revere thing just rocked my fucking world when I first learned that in college that like there were like two or three other guys that beat him and their names didn't make a catchy song. Uh, and <laughs> it's just, well, why did you, what, what? <laughs> I want to know what happened anyway. So we've already said too much, but uh, I agree with that rant. That's a good rant. Yeah. All right. Now, can I get angry about something that really matters? Do yes. Do it. Pigs in a dog, a pigs in a blanket, pretzel dogs. Uh-huh. God. Yeah. I've been waiting for this for years. Now listen, I didn't, listen. I didn't realize how pissed off I was about this until you wrote it down in an email. <laughs> I I like a good pig in a blanket. I'm not sure. gonna lie. I like a little mini pig in a blanket. I have often bought my own hot dogs, sliced mm-hmm. them, put some cheese in there, and wrapped them up in those Pillsbury mm-hmm. uh crescent mm-hmm. rolls and made yeah. my own pigs in a blanket. <laughs> oh, I like fuck. that shit. It's good. Mm-hmm. I'm going down the aisle. And I see a new product I've never seen before. Pig in a blanket pretzel dog from Hebrew National. I'm calling out the brand. I'll call out Mm -hmm. another one here in a minute. And I'm like, I want that. I want that in my belly. I bought it. I brought it home. The instructions were a little weird. I've never had a frozen product that wanted me to microwave it first and then put it in the oven. Weird. Um, And so I did as told. Microwaved it for 60 seconds. The oven was already preheated. I put it immediately into the oven. I took it out at the time it said, tested the temperature. It's supposed to cook to 165, um, and it was like 90. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to cook it more then. And so Mm -hmm. I put it back in, and this went on for some time until what I was left with was a very charred brick of a pretzel dog that was ultimately inedible. Yeah. And I I reread and reread the instructions, and I, I can't find where I screwed up. So... Three weeks go by, I'm in the store again, and I see a competing product from Nathan's. Nathan's yeah. of the famous whatever mm-hmm. the place. Yeah. The <laughs> it's called Nathan's. <laughs> um, they have a pig in a blanket pretzel dog, and I'm like, I'm going to see it done right. <laughs> and I did not see it done right. I brought it home, really? and it had similar instructions. Microwave it for a minute, put it into a preheated oven for about five minutes, take it out. Nowhere near the, the the temperature it needs to be. Now, this product was ultimately edible, but it was way too crusty on the outside to get it to the temperature doneness on the inside. And I am disappointed that there are two companies, name, national brand companies, selling yeah. a product with instructions that don't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't I think where you're all. going wrong, I think where they're going wrong and where you're going wrong is the pretzel bun. I've got no time for pretzel buns. All uh, right. They're uh, chewy. They're dense. Uh, uh, they're they're jammy. Jammy. <laughs> they're, but pretzel buns are completely useless. They only fuck things up. They don't make anything better. Mm-hmm. And the, the only reason that people use them is that they're sturdy. And that's what makes them inedible is that they're sturdy. They're a fucking brick. And that's what's probably screwing up your heat transference. 
And mm. I don't know how in their test kitchen they didn't catch on to this. That's what I'm saying. If it's what happening kind of, two out of two times. So two different companies have – They I know they tested this product. I know they're not just throwing it. I never tested. But <laughs> how is that so different from my experience with both brands – I don't I mean, understand. The, is this is this a is this a thing that needs to be thawed before you? Is that what the microwave is all about? Maybe do you need, or do you need to like set it out and and let it thaw before you do anything with it? Well, it, it has uh, microwave instructions and it has oven instructions, but the oven instructions said put it in the microwave for a minute first, and I think you're right. That's to de-thaw it. Mm-hmm. Somewhat, I don't know, um, but it should be able to come out of my oven. And I've even thought about the math of this. Like, even if my oven was like whack with the temperatures being like 100 degrees off in either direction, it still would not come out the way it comes out. It would, it would either burn much faster if my oven was too hot or it would never burn if my oven was too – because we're putting this thing on 350. It's yeah, not no, gonna, you got to go low and slow for that stuff. You got to like just 13 hours at 220. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it almost makes me want to like buy this stuff just to see if there's like a, a way to do it, right? I've still got some in the freezer. I may tinker with it, but I, I would love a good. I mean, I really like the idea of a, a pig in a blanket pretzel, uh, and it, I would you eat the may shot have to, you have to make it yourself, maybe. Well, maybe they sell them in the mall, but do they still have malls? <laughs> Not that know. anyone that wants to go into. Or no, I don't no. want to. I have no Actually, idea. Actually, wait. Oh, my God. It wasn't Nathan's. Uh, it smirched Nathan's name, and it was not. It was Auntie Anne's. Because I, ah. I remember telling my wife, they make good pretzels in the mall. These will be better than those Hebrew National ones I had. Mm-hmm. Well, I to see. be fair, Nathan's has a couple of uh, places in airports, too, I think. So. Oh. All right. They're not. They're not. There's not as ubiquitous as Auntie Anne's, but uh, Nathan's is a nationwide, you know, uh, place. So, and it's awesome. You should it not is. have besmirched them. I should Nathan's not have. Been. Awesome. Now I got to find out if I was right about Hebrew National or if that one was actually. <laughs> that hey, makes Chris, my story really when good. When you went to the hot dog eating contest at Coney mm-hmm. Island, did you only have one hot dog? Oh, uh, I think I may have had two. Oh, okay. Sure. You didn't I feel the remember. need to eat like six or anything like that. Well, no, <laughs> those things are filling. Like, and I got the I got their fries too. They're, they've got famous fries. But, they got great fries, man. Um. Uh. But yeah, I I went after the hot dog eating contest was over. I went over and got me got me a couple. Nice. And, uh, Surfing and, still uh, well. Oh, so fucking good. Okay, so I was wrong. <laughs> Oh, oh shit. no! <laughs> uh, Hebrew National never factored into it. Oh, fuck. I besmirched. I besmirched them. I was I was right about Nathan's. So Nathan's okay. was the first one I bought. <laughs> then Auntie Anne's was the second one I bought, and it does okay. not look to me as though Hebrew National sells a pretzel dog <laughs> picking a blanket. How many permutations can we make of this? And, uh... <laughs> this one's correct. I'm done. I'm done researching. I know it's right. <laughs> so Nathan's was the first one that really sucked, and the second one was was edible, but still sucked. That's correct. That's All correct. Right. All right. Whew. Mm. That was a whirlwind. <laughs> that was an ordeal. <laughs> uh, 
so a few weeks ago on Twitter, there was this, uh, there was, you know, they do these fun little games, uh, every once in a while, one will pop up in the timeline and, uh, one, one person had this thing where it's like, okay, your new, I think, I don't know if it was a porn name or you're just your new name or whatever, but it was, uh, get your best actor Oscar winner, the first name of the best actor Oscar winner in the year of your birth and the best actress Oscar winner in 10 years and like 10 years after, uh, the best actress, your la- the last name, and that's your new name. And it was something to that effect. Uh, so there were a lot of people sharing their names and everything. And, uh, there was some confusion because, uh, the, the, the way that people were doing it was they were looking up on Google, which is wrong, by the way, you can't, you can't go to Google and get your best actor winner of your birth year because it's going to give you the best actor of, of the previous year because they show you when it was awarded uh-huh. not the year that the movie came out. Uh, and so like every time I have to look up something quick about the Oscars on Google, I always have to add one to the, to the year, even though I hate doing it because it's fucking wrong. Um, <laughs> so like best picture 1977 is not fucking Rocky. It is Annie fucking hall. You know, it's, it, you give me, you know, when I say 1977 best picture, I do not want to see fucking, uh, I do not want to see fucking Rocky show up. Mm. I want to see Annie hall. Right. Um, and, uh, and so a lot of people were messing this up. They were, they were, they were, but the question itself lends itself to possibly you messing it up too. Because when you say, the one who won in your birth year, then people are obviously going to go to the year that the person won rather than the year that the movie came out. There has to be something done about this guys. I I, I've told you this about, I've said this a million times about Google, how like the fucking, like how many bets have been won when somebody has said best picture, 1977, what do you think it is? And somebody was like, oh, it's Annie Hall. And then they go and look up Google and then Google says fucking Rocky. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and how many times has that happened where like people do and, they, and people were messing up to the point where they were getting like 11 year gaps a lot of times. So they would yeah. get the, they would get the one where it was like the one, the year before for the best picture or whatever, the best, uh, the best actor. And they would get the exact, the, the year, the, the, uh, award was awarded in another one. So they would have completely off 11 years off sometimes, or they would be one year, you know, they, if they were born in 1977, they had the best actor from 1976 and then they had the best actress from 1986. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of this going on and, and, and the problem I could kept seeing was like people would say their answer and someone would come right underneath that and go, no, the best actor of this year was blah, 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 blah. And he goes, no, it's not. It was this. And it's like, that's how, that's how confident people are in their wrong fucking answers <laughs> is that they're sitting there saying, you know, th- th- this is definitely the one who that won in night you've got to treat the Oscars of 1977 as the 1976 awards. You cannot just because it happened in 1977 doesn't mean that was the award. Yeah, Cause that's unique to movies because the cutoff date 
for that award show is the end of the previous year, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's not and what I first. what I was going to ask you is how you feel about football championships. Like, are the Kansas City Chiefs the 2020 champions or the 2019 champions? The, the, there's an easy way of doing the football, and that is saying they are the 2019 slash 2020 champions. Gotcha. Or dash. Because they, they kept playing into 2020. Yeah, and, and honestly, if you wanted to really ask me if, there, if you had to pick a year, it would be 2019. Because yeah, that's, the, the that's, the the, that's the year when the season happened, and it just so happens because of the way things work, there the season goes over into the next year. So I would say 2019 uh, for them to for for them to be Super Bowl champs. But uh, but there's there's an easy way to do it. Like with with movies, I don't think you can do that dash thing. I don't think you can say Rocky is the 1976 dash 1977. <laughs> best oscar winner <laughs> that would suck yeah, yeah. You, you know it's, it's, so with with seat with like football seasons i think you can do that so um you know but that's that right there like i said so many times i think that uh google has probably wrongly uh <laughs> given people the assumptions of what won in a certain year and and it i think it, it sort of ruins also uh, you know, when, and the, I've told, I've said this about the IMB, IMDB too. They all, they often will put the year, the movie, uh, came out at some festival yeah, yeah, yeah. As the year that the movie came out. And I'm sure even on this podcast, cause a lot of times we've gone to some obscure movies here and there, uh, we'll say that the movie came out in a such and such a year cause the IMDB says so. But it probably really, honestly, a lot of times, some of these movies we brought up came out the following year in theaters, which is the time that you're supposed to say the movie came out. I used to have this argument with somebody about how about when Crash came out, (laughs) Crash, the movie that won Best Picture of 2005 in 2006. Um, And uh, I was like, Crash came out in 2005. And he'd go, no, no, it was 2004. And I was like, the movie won Best Picture of 2005. It came out in 2005. I was working in a movie theater when it opened in mm. May of 2005. So it came out in 2005. And and I was like, here, let's settle this. And I went to the IMDb and it says Crash 2004. And I'm like, fuck you. It did not come out in 2004. I went over and looked at it. I was like, yes. Okay, look. Look, I showed him. I was like, look, it does say 2004. But but before you get all excited about that, I'm going to show you when it came out. It came out on some festival, <laughs> one showing in November, and that's when it, and that's when it came out. So I, I wish there was a a more like you know, there's a more honest way of show, showing what a what year a movie came out. Don't count festivals. Count it when it first came out in theaters, and the public could come and buy the tickets. That's when that's when it should be. That's what the year should be. So we've got some important rants today, baby. Very important. (laughs) It's election day and it is time to talk about hot dogs, when movies came out and whatever Barrett fucking said. (laughs) 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 I think it was something about, uh, 
Um, Do you really not remember? <laughs> no, I remember. It was Sean Connery. I was just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, uh, all right. So uh, anybody got any recommends or warns? Totes amazeballs. They're great. It won hey. the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Ooh. What do you got? Ooh. Jeremy does. Ooh. Uh, I have been watching a competing docuseries to the one that Barrett has previously Record warned? Yeah, record warned. Barrett watched The Vow on HBO. How many episodes was that? Nine. 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 nine I am the, nines. I am 75% of the way through Stars, the uh, movie channel's own documentary, which has the less catchy name, uh, Seduced, colon, Inside the Nexium Cult. Ah, yes. Of course, now Nexium I, spelled NV whatever, like XI whatever. Yeah, it's really stupid. stupid. That should have been everybody's first clue not to join. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I understand I have not seen The Vow with Barrett's record worn. I have decided not to watch that because I don't think I need nine episodes about this. Yeah. Um, but I understand that that series follows a mother's attempt to get her daughter out of that cult. Yep. And the Stars docuseries, which is only four parts, f- is actually interviews and revisiting locations with that daughter, uh, India, India Oxenberg. Oxenberg. Yeah, Oxenberg. Um, <clears throat> this is a very well-made documentary, at least in terms of being a page turner. Every single episode ends with somebody saying something you're not surprising, and then a bam credits. Um, <clears throat> And uh, this is some fucked up shit. Yeah, it is. This is some repugnant shit. Like mm. almost everybody below this Keith guy was brainwashed or abused to some degree. But there are a lot of villains here. Um, and I, I echo Barrett's statement that it's downright shocking how much footage there is. They filmed, feels like they filmed everything. Especially like of, of Keith Ranieri, because I, he wanted this footage. He yeah. wanted all this footage. It was to like in the, they didn't the think they were ever going to get caught. Um, they weren't even trying to not film it. Uh, you know, like, like one, of the, one of the Kardashian kids just had a birthday party and they asked all their famous friends not to, not to film it. Don't put this on social media. They weren't doing anything like that. They were. It's shocking how much footage there is. Um, But the first episode starts with, wow, this is weird. It feels a little like Scientology. They make them do these like confessional kind of sessions in front of an audience where they do like Scientology, where they kind of state their faults and um, they have to give collateral to even be kind of included in the first place. Talk about the first red flag is is honestly, and collateral is like, Naked pictures yeah. of yourself. Well, and it starts out as just stuff. like secrets, right? Like tell you have to tell me something embarrassing um, so that I will know I, I can. They flat out tell them I'm going to use this against you if you ever tell anybody. I don't want you to ever tell anybody. That's how secret this is. And, <clears throat> uh, you know, the episode ends uh, before it gets to anything too sexual. And the episode basically ends with something along the lines of, and that's when I learned that I was about to become a slave. And I was like, what? So <clears throat> second episode starts, and this is all about the relationship with 
um, Alison Mack, um, and how Alison Mack was her master and India was her slave. And she had to text her every morning and night. Good morning, master. Good, good night, master. It's a real, real terms. Real if terms. If you missed it, yeah, she missed slaves. it. Uh, she would get punishments, uh, stand outside in the snow at three in the morning or starve yourself for days. Then, then she put her on a, on a weight restriction. She had to be like 106 pounds or some obscene mm-hmm. number. She mm-hmm. could only eat 500 calories a day, but she had to text Allison Mack and ask permission before she could eat anything. Master, may I have 90 calories? Oh, um <clears throat> And you're like, wow, this is way more than fucked up. This is like double fucked up. And then it ends with her saying, that episode ends with her saying, Allison then said my next assignment was to seduce Keith. And I was like, fuck! And so the third episode is all about the sex stuff, which is really, really disturbing because he's basically sleeping with everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're all in too deep with all this collateral. And they force India to get her own slaves and by by the end of this episode, they're branding people yeah. um, and wearing punishment needle bracelets. And uh, it ends with India's mother saying, I got a phone call saying my wife, my daughter's life was in grave danger. Boom. Credits. So I got one more episode to go before I see all the real before the curtain is fully pulled back. But I can definitely recommend if you. I'm really not bagging on Barrett's record worn uh, as much as I might have playfully sounded earlier. But if you're interested in the content, but not sure you want to watch nine episodes, were they half hour or hour? No, they were hour. That, oh, I, I agree with you. I would rather going back. I would rather watch this version. Yeah, it's no, there's nothing wrong. It's just like all the other HBO there's docuseries where of this guy who has been accused by somebody of raping her when she was 12. There's video footage of this Keith guy talking to a small group, talking about age of consent. And he says, you know, in some states it's 17, some states it's yep. 18, in other yep. parts of the world it's 12. Um, and, you know, if you, if you, I'm going to say something crude here. I'm still using his quotes, by the way. But, you know, if you're a caveman, you just want to put your dick in some flesh. You know, like we, maybe it was just, you know, oh, that feels good. I'm putting it in, in this woman oh now it feels good i'm putting it in this animal what if it was a baby he fucking says what if it was a baby what if? Jeez, all God. casual uh, but I d- another thing i wanted to point out is that uh, in the third episode all the episodes are are one-on-one interview footage with india um sometimes she breaks and it's hard to watch so i want to give you some trigger warnings there a lot of the footage is her revisiting locations with the camera crew and talking about her feelings revisiting these places where she was basically abused in a cult but the third episode shows you part of a therapy session where she's talking to her therapist and saying, you know, when I had sex with Keith, it was, it felt like going to the doctor. I never felt any sexual pleasure. And I told Keith, when you go down on me, I have this feeling in my stomach that feels like a dizzying pit of pain. Can you help me with that? Oh, and he Jesus. said, no, that's your problem. <laughs> and a few more a few more minutes in the therapy session and the therapist has done a an, on a masterful job and india says oh no now i feel bad i realized that feeling was my own internal warning system trying to tell me that this was not right yeah. and i had been so warped in the brain i couldn't interpret the signal it made me tear up i gotta be yeah. honest um yeah. 
that somebody could be this evil just for such personal, almost purely sexual gain. Yeah, like, and he and that's when when anybody raises a question, it's like that scene. I did not to compare this to a movie, I guess, but that scene where Laura Lenny comes up to Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in The Master, and she says, you know, she questions a few things. And he gets angry at her for even questioning. Laura, Laura Dern, right? Laura Dern, sorry. Um, <clears throat> with uh, Keith Rainier, anytime somebody challenges us on, on something, he's like, no, that's just you focusing on the negatives. That's your projecting that's negativity, projecting yeah. out here. And that you brought up the branding thing. The branding is especially disturbing for many reasons. First off, it's an amalgam of his initials and Allison Mack's initials. Mm -hmm. It's A M and K R. And second, it's right beside their vagina. And mm -hmm. these are married, some of these married uh, women. Mm -hmm. And it's literally right there so that anyone else who is intimate with them sees that they are branded by Keith Ranieri and Allison Mack. So yeah. this, this thing is all fucked up. And I, yeah. kinda, I even though I know, pretty much everything about it. I kind of want to go back and watch this series just to get the whole picture in a more concise way. Is India in the vow much? No, it's, it's Catherine. It's her mom. That's right. That's really featured in there. And it's just shown at least the parts that I've watched. It's just shown India as part of that footage that they get within yeah. the cult, not yeah. afterwards. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, she's pretty, I'm very impressed with her that she's willing to be this open no kidding. Uh, because she, I think a person could choose to be embarrassed, uh, so embarrassed they don't want to tell the story. But I, she sees the, the need to tell the story while she's still kind of embarrassed and still kind of dealing with She lets you in on a therapy session. Um, yeah. uh, it's powerful stuff that, like, again, with trigger warnings, I recommended it to my wife. Uh, she's watched a lot of those uh, Scientology uh, documentaries and even some of the the weird uh, Warren Jeffs kind of mm -hmm. um, whatever that is is that Latter Day Saints or is that it's a derivative of it yeah derivative of it yeah um, but this is a full on cult it was way worse way worse way worse than when you saw the headlines <laughs> about Allison Mack being arrested as part of a cult where she recruited women to have sex with the leader. It's way worse than that. It was almost played off as a joke at that time. Like, oh, Hollywood people doing a sex cult. Ha, 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 ha. No, this is trafficking. This is racketeering. She was taking, she took pictures of their naked vaginas yep. as punishment when they challenged her and sent them to God. I'm, it's so messed up. There's so much evil, but... I think it's an important story because this is fucking modern. You know, most most of the time you read about it's, it's easy for Scientology to get away with not being called a cult uh, by calling themselves a church. Uh, but like the Jim Jones stuff, um, you know, feels yeah. so in the past. Well, those those people were well, they, it was the 70s or the 60s, whenever the fuck it was. You know, of course, they were impressionable. This, this shit was happening two years ago. Yep. God, it yeah, blows my mind. It's crazy. It's a, it's a, there's really, we, we look at this and it's, oh, that's weird. That's a cult and blah, blah, blah. We hear this from a cult a lot, but you know, it's the exact same way Jeffrey Epstein did his shit. Uh, well, even yeah. though Jeffrey Epstein was never part of any kind of cult that was like promising really like, I don't know what he was. 
I mean, he was promising girls like uh, a life that they would never have, mm -hmm. but it wasn't portrayed as a cult uh, like like these are. But it's the exact same thing, isn't it? It's there's this dangling uh, like, oh, your life is so much better if you do this, you know, like like just, you know, doing the hypnotization type thing, uh, you know, well, it's, and it's, that it's, forcing you to tell secrets part is what's really makes me draw the Scientology line, I guess, mm -hmm. is that, you know, it's troubling. It's really troubling. It makes, it's made me reflect a lot on my own involvement with religion over the years and how some places I have been were a little too similar to the way this place was being run. Um, <clears throat> which is not to say I was ever involved in a sex cult or branded. It's just to say I have been involved in, church-related activities where public confession was encouraged, confession mm. of sins, which even if it wasn't directly used to threaten you, you now know subconsciously, well, they know this about me. Mm -hmm. uh, and it gives them leverage. And I'm not even saying the places I was as a kid, those people were seeking leverage, but it's, there's some things I saw that were eerily similar, and it made me really uncomfortable. Wow. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, Chris, you're right on with that, uh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein and particularly the, uh, the relationship between him and Ghislaine Maxwell, mm -hmm. uh, in that you see a lot of similarities in this Kate Ranieri and Allison Mack. Like she was able to kind of vouch for him thereby giving, you know, it more credibility with Epstein. These are things that, people wouldn't normally do, but Ghislaine would be like, oh no, this is what all the girls do. You know, especially the whole massage thing and getting them through that way. Well, and do we know, were they taking photos? Did they have collateral and leverage over these girls? That I almost had to be, they were, right? They were picking a lot of poor girls, a lot of like lower middle class, mm. no real other uh, things going on. And then I they see. would get those girls to recruit other girls. Right. Like and, it just, and it was a never ending supply. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's, it's when you get into a group like that, this is how cults start. Basically when you get into a group that says, no, this is okay. This is what everybody does. And you have somebody recruiting, then you're like, well, what I'm saying must not be too crazy, even though it seems crazy to me because somebody that, else is saying it's okay. That's ultimately the, I don't, I don't mean to grade, uh, the, the awfulness of everything that's going on here, but the fact that they made everything look so normal is probably the worst part of all of that mm. because they would do this stuff that they didn't want to do and then act like none of it had happened. Yep. And, and, and then, and then everything was like normal quote unquote for a while, they'd be taken out to these places and they would be meeting all these new people and everything. And, and like, they thought, Oh, okay, well that one thing was just an anomaly. And then all of a sudden, boom would happen again. Yeah. And, yep. and, uh, and they just made everything sound so normal about every, you know, it just, there was never any kind of, uh, uh, acknowledgement that it was fucked up. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. All right. I think I'm, I'm going to go ahead and watch this. Uh, are they half hour, uh, Jeremy? They're hour long. Um, right. Sunday night will be the fourth one. So this episode was be published. It just aired last night. This yeah, subject just... fascinates me. It's just a, my, my interest in psychology, group psychology, mob mentality, 
of normalization, I, I, I won't go into politics, but I, I feel like that normalization part that Chrissy just mentioned is the number one thing that allows these things to, to continue. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, anyone, you saw those people that had gotten out of Nexium. They're like, mm-hmm. how the fuck did I get into this in the first place? The yeah. people that are out of Scientology, they're like, what, what, what was I doing? The people yeah. that are out of religion in general say yeah. that a lot too. So I think it speaks yeah. to the the common themes of humans, right? We're all broken. We're all we all have things we're ashamed of that we want to improve on. We all want to be loved and part of a community. We're all looking for a quick, easy way to explode our careers. Um, so yeah, um, there you go. I haven't had a full on full throated recommend like quite like that in a while. All right, everybody, it's time to talk about better help. Better help. Uh, man. Okay. I just communicated with my counselor three different ways. She messaged me. Then she sent me something that I needed to work on. Then I scheduled an appointment. She said, uh, she messaged me and said, Hey, do you mind moving it back an hour uh, so I can make you know the the um, room for somebody else? And I was like, Yeah, it's no problem. And she was like, Thanks so much. So like all this stuff happened within maybe five minutes, mm. and it was something that would be very very challenging to do through traditional means of of counseling. You got to mm-hmm. call, you got to say, uh, Can you do this? And then you got to communicate through maybe a a receptionist instead of the actual therapist and all that stuff. It was so easy to do literally clicks of a button and typing out a few things on BetterHelp. And it's one of the many, many features of this, this site that is fantastic. And I got to tell you about this, this site. Uh, The more I find out about it, the better I like it. They are exploding right now and they're exploding for you. (laughs) Such a child. <laughs> He's lost. They're exploding for you because they can there's so much demand for better help that they are hiring licensed professional counselors at a record rate. And one of my uh well my counselor uh I thought when I first signed up uh, that it was common to be matched to somebody uh, in your state or your area or something like that. She was telling me about not personal details or anything, but she was telling me I've got clients in London and I've got clients all over the world here uh, that are keeping me updated on their views of the pandemic. Uh, so God bless them because they've been having to deal with all kinds of different issues situationally related to the pandemic, plus what they were dealing with before. So this, this company is well run. The platform is fantastic. And if you were ever thinking about getting therapy or counseling, now is the time and better help. I believe is one of your best options. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. Um, one of my favorite things about my therapist is, uh, the, the the note taking that he does yep um which is uh i think probably something all good therapists do i'm sure there are some like you ever have a waiter 
usually it's someplace like fucking Ruby Tuesdays who's like refuses to write down your <laughs> order. Like, I'm going to memorize this shit because I'm a professional and I think it'll make you give me more of a tip. Whereas I'm as the guy ordering, I'm like, I really just want you to get it right. I don't need a performance yeah. here. Uh, I'm sure. Th- sorry. I'm sure there are therapists that that try to or can keep a lot of details in their head. But most therapists are keeping really good notes about you. Uh, issues that you've talked about wanting to work on um, and recent discussions. So, you know, a lot of my therapy sessions, and I've probably mentioned something like this before, uh, you know, involve my therapist saying, so how's the exercise going this this week? Or how did, how did the exercise going uh, go last week? What's the latest on uh, your latest book? Because the book stuff is one of my anxiety triggers. And the exercise is one of the things he tells me will help me lower my anxiety. And so, Get yourself a therapist. BetterHelp is easier than... Oh God, I'm rambling like a motherfucker. I'm so sorry. I'm doing great. Um, uh, no, this is something in training, by the way. If you have a well-trained therapist as part of your curriculum going through that process, you have to take notes. You have to take detailed notes. And you have to reference uh, events that happened months before for you to be able to get certification, licensure, things like that. And so you can tell that the folks at BetterHelp have been through this rigorous training process. And yeah, man, I'll, I'll hit back to, I, I was having a rough day the last time I was in uh, my counseling session. And she was like, remember back in what, October or something like that of last year when you were able to, to do well at this and that kind of thing? And it was like, no, but you do. <laughs> I'm glad you do. And uh, I can't I can't recommend it more. You're going to be hearing a lot more about BetterHelp uh, in the future because we believe in it. We believe in getting everybody that needs it uh, the proper help. Go to betterhelp.com slash syncast for 10% off your first month, which is not nothing. If you have issues with payment, let them know. Uh, this is a fully functional uh, licensed professional counseling service online. Betterhelp.com slash Zencast. Don't forget that slash Zencast, not only for you, but just let them know that we sent you, uh, that, that we recommended them, and you trust us, and you love us, and you want to sign up. Betterhelp.com slash Zencast. You got one too, right, Chris? Yeah. Um, by the way, just as an aside, it, it's funny that when you get this a topic like this and like two different competing documentaries come out, like the Fire Festival one. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the Fire Festival had a Hulu one and maybe it was it a Netflix. Yeah. Was yeah. It mm-hmm. It's like Hulu and a Netflix. And, and really, uh, you don't cannibalize each other that way. You just make. If you watch one, you're like, oh, do they have some more information? A lot of times they're going over the same stuff. But then there's like some extra things that uh, that uh, come to light out of that. Like the Hulu one, I think, had the the dude I can't remember his name uh, that was not Ja Rule. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That dude, they too. actually had an interview with that guy, and and he sat there and talked all the way through this documentary until like by the end of it, they were like. Like, well, you lied about this and this and this. He goes, show me what I lied about. And the movie goes back and it tells all the lies that he told during the entire documentary. Um, uh, but yes, I do have a, uh, a, a big time recommend. And, uh, and I had run across this 
uh, before and I wanted to see it, but then, uh, then, uh, Dicer said something about it on Slack and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this. It's the queen's gambit. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Uh, the, uh, Anya Taylor joy, uh, chess, uh, series it's uh it's got seven episodes it's a limited series i actually was sitting there i didn't know it was a limited series at first watching the first episode and i was like how do you make this into a like a series that has seasons and and everything <laughs> well you don't you make it, like, <laughs> you you make it like seven episodes um uh but uh it uh it, it, it uh, follows her life uh as a as an orphan who learns chess uh down in a basement of this orphanage and uh the great bill camp who uh you should uh, look oh. up sometime uh great terrific uh character actor is in this he is the janitor that teaches her chess she's very wicked smart uh you know and and like can is intuitively learning all the things that he, that she sees and uh it's it's not long before she's beating this guy's ass in chess and then he invites somebody over uh, from a chess club at a high school and she beats both of their asses simultaneously. And then, and then he's like, well, I'm going to take you to my, my uh, chess club and, uh, and, uh, and you're going to play all the people in the chess club. And so it shows her walk in. She's like, you know, at the, whoever's playing the, the uh, like 10 year old version of her is terrific as well. Hmm. Uh, but she comes in, and there's like this, all these high school dudes coming in, obviously like you know, looking down on her literally and figuratively. And they all line up in this like, like, you know, horseshoe, uh, or, you know, like a bracket sort of, uh, formation. And she goes to each one of them and then she cuts to her and she goes, what I was surprised about was how bad they played. <laughs> and going back over, she beat all of their asses, of course. And, uh, uh, and, and, uh, and so like, uh, about, uh, episode two or so that's when Anya when, when she has grown up to be, uh, Anya Taylor joy, uh, is, uh, I you know she plays every range of age from like 15 to her early twenties is when Anya Taylor joy shows up. And I, I've always really liked her, but this series really, really likes her. And, and she is, uh, she is terrific in it, but like, I feel like whoever cast her, it might've been Scott Frank. The guy who created this series was, was like really makes it where every shot that she's in just looks gorgeous. Everything she's wearing is gorgeous. Everything that she's, you know, I mean, she is an absolute, like uh, she's a star in this, uh, <laughs> in this, uh, series. um, and uh and it's and it's showing her as she moves up through the ranks of all this uh all this uh these chess tournaments she gets adopted early on uh a mother who really wants a child who lost a child and her husband who doesn't want a kid at all um and uh and she's sort of left to her own devices and there's a point where the father leaves and the mother sees that she has this interest in chess and she she wins like a tournament. I think it's like a hundred dollars or something right off the, at the beginning wins about a hundred dollars. And her mom sees this and says, you know what, you know, you, you really like doing this thing. Why don't we take you around to a whole bunch of other chess tournaments and see how you do. And of course she's just wiping the floor clean 
with everybody during this whole thing. Of course, she can keeps running into some obstacles during it. Uh, there are people who are sort of the end boss of each, like, you know, like, uh, sections of this, of this series and, uh, um, you know, more terrific, uh, performances from a lot of other people in here. Thomas Brody Sangster, I think is his name. Uh, what is that? God, make, make sure I, I got I've heard guy. of him. You've seen him a million times. He was in Love Actually. He was the he was yeah. Thomas Brody Sangster was a Liam Neeson's kid. And, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and and he was in um, uh, Maze Runner. Uh, he was one of the uh, friends in Maze Runner, and he's been in a million different things. But he's a guy who's like sort of a in boss guy and like a, a sort of a mentor guy that shows up. There's a lot of these type of people that show up. Uh, and it's, and it's just shown that she's got this innate ability and that she, you know, that she can just demolish, uh, people. But if she, if the match goes like a little bit too long, she might not be able to get to the end game of those, of those, uh, matches and everything. And the real end boss of this is this Russian player who is the world-class number one and everything. And so the whole series is sort of building up to her trying to beat this guy. And mm. Uh, I want to eat every frame of this, mm. of this, uh, series. It looks so good. I don't know how many things were like actual sets that they shot. I mean, actual places where they shot or how many sets they made, hmm. but like, there's so many things that are just like, God, I want to be there right now. I want to like soak up this, this, this place and, and just, you know, and just, and experience it. Um, uh, everything like just color coding and everything like that. They, they just loves Anya Taylor joy all the way through this. I mean, it's in crazy, like how many times, even when she's not even trying to look good, it just like the, the way they shoot her is just like, man, this is a star. Follow her everywhere she goes. She's amazing. Uh, but it, every episode is great. Love this series. Um, and, uh, highly recommend it. Queen's Gambit. It's interesting. Mm. You don't really see a whole lot of range in her previous things, especially uh, Split and Glass. She's mm-hmm. not asked to do much. Right. You, you showed me a music video. Who was it? Bastille? Hozier. Hozier, where yeah. she's phenomenal and crazy yeah. in that one. But mm-hmm. has there ever been anything else that showed her range? I never saw New Mutants. She's in New Mutants, right? She is. Uh- I, yeah, she is. I haven't she's seen it either. Bread. Yeah, I haven't seen that either, but um, she's also, what's the other thing? Oh, The Witch is uh, the oh, first yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody saw her in. Um, but you're right. There hasn't been anything that really has shown her off. And um, but I, I But in this, she's, you know, she can be super funny. She can be like, you know, uh, she's obviously just super smart. Uh, there's, there are moments where like the one thing about her characters, it seems like she's kind of hard to crack. She doesn't have like, doesn't seem to have like a, uh, like an emotional kind of like, um, limit of some sort, like something, something bad happens. She doesn't seem to like go off the deep end, but that's part of her character. Mm. And the moment where she actually does break is one that you'll probably break on too. Huh? Um, because it's, it's that type of, it's that type of scene. Um, uh, so yeah. Uh, I mean, if there's, if there's anything about this series, that's maybe a little lacking and I can totally understand why it's this way. 
it's when they're when they're actually playing chess there's not very much that we see the the show is very uh uh guarded about what the actual play is 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 going on mm. on screen they'll show the board from now and again and you'll be like okay i don't know how they got there but there's the board um and and a lot of times when it's getting to the point where someone has resigned or they're you know or the or there's checkmate or something we just see them you know, put their hands over the board and say, all right, that's, that was a good match and everything. So there's, it doesn't really get deep into why she's so good and why she's so much better than everybody else. Um, but you won't care about that too much. It's just that it is kind of like, you kind of wanted to know like what the board looked like, you know, and what actually, you know, yeah, yeah, totally. Did you guys ever play chess? Yeah, we're like as a decent yeah. hobby or something. I mean, I yeah. know the I rules. Yeah, I played. Was... I played quite a bit for a while there. Really? I mean, I I would never consider myself good though because you know I never learned a lot of the strategies and stuff like that. I think it's interesting much. that you say they don't really show you much of the chess because a lot of the praise the show has been getting, I've seen this a dozen times. Is I've never seen a movie or show about chess that I found interesting until Queen's Gambit. And Mm -hmm. now I want to say, well, that's because all the other ones showed you so much chess, you didn't like it. Uh, (laughs) And this one apparently doesn't show you much of the chess, which doesn't, I'm not trying to say that's a knock on the show at all. Maybe that's not the show's point. I get the feeling it's not. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe that's because like searching for Bobby Fischer, uh, there's lots of chess in that movie. Um, Even fresh, there's lots of actual, you see the board, you see the moves, you know what's happening. And you like those um, but, movies, right? Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the the this one this one yeah, it would have been nice. I think they I think if if they did though, they might have I don't know if they would have ruined any kind. I mean, you hear a lot of like real nerdy chess terms and a lot of chess history and a lot of things like but that's through dialogue. You don't really see that being performed on screen. Um so so there is I was feeling that way about Moneyball a little bit, by the way, like the Moneyball was, uh, would express complex terms about, uh, why they were going after certain players, but they weren't really going deep in it. And that's because you as the viewer don't want to get bogged down into right. the yeah. complexity. Yeah. And the movie distills it down to, he gets on base. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot more to the math. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so, but uh, but this is one where a lot of times when she's facing these masters, I would have liked to have known, you know, the reason why he resigned was this. And they're like, she's in her, maybe she's in her apartment or something. And she goes, the reason why he resigned was this. And like, you know, if, if he does this, I'm going to do that. If he does this, I'm going to do that. And he knows that there's no way. And I think he would get bogged down a little bit by doing that a lot or whatever. But that's one thing about if there's any negative to me about that show is, is just that there's a lot of times where people are just putting their hands out and saying, yep, good, good match. You're amazing. And there's not really any, there's nothing showing on the board at the time where you're just like, Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Can't get out of that. And you know, so, but, but I don't want to leave it on that. This show is really good. Like I said, well acted, uh, just engrossing seven episodes, uh, you can get through it pretty quickly. Um, uh, just really well done. I was I was not expecting the level of amazingness on it. So awesome! We should start playing chess in our company, like a mm-hmm. remote chess. 
Like that would be fun. Just like, I feel like hey, Chris and Dicer uh, would wipe the floor with all of well, us. Well, probably, but they would make us better. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, I haven't played in a while, and like I said, I never really learned strategy. So it's like, you know, you guys have just throwing pawns at us. <laughs> yeah, throwing pawns. All right, you guys are giving recommends. I got fucking warned. All, all right. right, and I had high hopes for this movie for no reason at all. I watched Holiday on mm. Netflix. Mm. Never heard of it. Pulled up Netflix. It's the number one trending uh, movie show, whatever, uh, in in on Netflix. There are Emma, movie shows. There are movie shows. It's got Emma Roberts. It's got Luke Bracey, who's an Aussie. And it's got a, a really good supporting uh, cast. Uh, Jessica Capshaw, Alex Moffat from um, Saturday Night Live. Kristen Chenoweth, who looks like she's 50 ever since she was 20. <laughs> I remember us talking about that. Was that, was that a Jeremy's smoke, smoke a soiree that we were at? <laughs> Man, she gets fucked hard in this movie, by the way. Okay, so, oh. <laughs> so she is the inspiration for the, the title of the movie. What Aunt Susan or uh, Kristen Chenoweth does is she just gets a rando to go as her date on holidays because she always has to have somebody with her. God damn, this fucking movie's awful. Okay, so Emma Roberts is a ne'er-do-well, works from home, uh, and and she's she's almost 30, like her real age. And mm -hmm. her family keeps giving her shit that she doesn't have a steady boyfriend. She never has a date when she shows up to family functions. And the, the thing that makes this different from a Hallmark Christmas movie or whatever it is, is that there's a lot of cussing. In fact, the first, the first uh, dialogue is Emma, Emma, uh, what's her name again? Emma Roberts out there on the porch about to go into Christmas with her family. And she's like, fucking Christmas. And I'm like, ooh, sassy. Mm. Maybe there's going to be something going on. <laughs> then it cuts to, this is all in Chicago. Then it cuts to Luke Bracey going to his girlfriend's parents' house to, uh, uh, to do their thing. And they're super clingy. And his girlfriend is super clingy, clingy, except she really wants to fuck him. So she fucks him like right as they walk in. And, uh, and when, when they go back out and she gives him a gift, he doesn't have a gift for her. And she's like, you know me well enough to come in my mouth, but you don't know me well enough to get me a Christmas gift. And I'm like, damn. Okay. All right. This is getting weird. Then one no. thing has, for the record, one thing has nothing to do with the other. Exactly. That's right. She comes I don't from need the to know you at all in order to get you a Christmas gift. She comes from the Cameron Diaz school of coming in your mouth. <laughs> that means something. <laughs> means something. Oh, my God. And then it switches into every fucking romantic comedy that you've ever fucking seen from yeah. the start to the finish, just with a lot more fucks. There's a joke where Emma Roberts shits her pants. Oh yeah, Halloween. That's fun, but like it's it's so disappointing. And I I love looking at Emma Roberts. She's <laughs> got something that I want to fuck, and it's she's uh, what what <laughs> no. <laughs> I 
love her. I love everything about her. She's de- she's delightful. She has all the good attributes of Julia and a little bit of Eric, I guess, sprinkled in there. Because <laughs> this is the union of Eric and Julia. <laughs> I don't mean to imply that. She had Julia's her aunt. But I, I love Emma Roberts. Like she is oh. just, she's just perfect. But I had never seen her in anything that is worthy of her talent. And she's mm. actually, she's funny in this. She's uh, very animated in this. She's very good in this. But the dialogue is just, is just fucks for fuck's sake. The vulgar jokes are vulgar for vulgar sake. Very similar to the Paul Feig, like uh, like bridesmaids type of humor. And it, it you boil it down, it's the same goddamn movie you've seen every time, and it just doesn't make any sense. So what, it's a big uh, old warn. What got you to watch this movie? What was the okay? Look, impetus? okay. I love me some Christmas, uh-huh. and I secretly love a few of these Hallmark Christmas movies. Okay. Um, I, and not as you don't have to apologize or anything like that. Oh, I think he should apologize. I just wanted to know why you were like, gotta see holiday. Well, I'll tell you what, again, I love Emma Roberts. And I Mm -hmm. was thinking maybe this is something a little bit subversive that is different. Cause I saw the TV MA and stuff like that. And I was Mm -hmm. like, you don't usually see that. In, in Christmas movies, you usually see the schmaltzy Christmas prince or something like that. And I was mm-hmm. like, maybe this is going for something different. And you can tell it's trying to. You can tell it's like, I really want to put a Diablo Cody spin on a Christmas rom-com. But it, it's the same rom-com. Make it different. Make it different. If you're going to subvert it, make it different. Uh, yeah, and, and it, it's not. it reminds me of... Uh, it, it, in a different way of like that, isn't it romantic movie that came out? Yeah. Not that, right. You know, not, it's not, this is movies has nothing to do with what holiday does, but isn't it romantic does this whole thing where it's like, Oh, she's in a PG 13 movie world after she gets hit right. in the head. And I don't know what, what sound am I hearing by the way, in the background, it sounded like a plane flew by somewhere. No, it's not an airplane. Um, not hearing it now, but um, anyway. Oh, um, no, it's it's the guy mowing my lawn. He's only got two minutes wipes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Here he goes. Uh, I, I, I highly doubt that I would have heard this through the um, other microphone uh, for some reason. Like, I, I feel like I'm hearing more through all this than I would normally. Hmm. Yeah, you might. You might. Yeah, because I've, um, I've heard his uh, mower before. Um, anyway, isn't it romantic, uh, does this whole thing where she gets hit in the head and she's suddenly in this Hollywood, uh, uh, world and it's supposed to be making fun of all of the stuff that's, that romantic comedies do. And, and it's a, you know, it's a complete, the, the, the stuff that they say, the stuff that they present in, isn't it romantic isn't way overboard, like doesn't make, it doesn't, it's not even, it's not even close to what romantic comedies normally do. Like romantic comedies don't make things like the stuff that they do. They don't make like doves appear and crap in the, in, in romantic comedy. Uh, <laughs> but they made it seem like there's this magical world and, and it, and, it, and then it ends up doing the same thing. 
same same sort of romantic comedy type of thing even though it has like a slightly different ending than what those romantic comedies would do but uh but still uh yeah i don't know i don't know how you can make them better at this point though right Uh. it's it's point it's it's person a and person b and we've always wanted to see these two people get together because they're so attractive and they always hate each other at the beginning and they do you know that's exactly how this starts and then there's some pants shitting their names are their man names are jackson and sloan oh yeah come on get real right jackson and sloan He's Austra- yeah. Oh, he's a golfer, by the way. He's a professional golfer that lives in Chicago. How many professional golfers do you know that lives in fucking Chicago? None. None. They all live None. in Jupiter, Florida, so you can play fucking golf instead of in Chicago, where you can't play golf for like eight months out of the year. Some of them <laughs> live in. Some of them live in Windermere. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. That was a joke. joke. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's in there. She's fucking this golf pro and he's on she's married to some other guy. And that's <laughs> what I depended on. Um, uh, I hate this movie. Run away at all costs. Holiday. Bucket. Holiday. Do you want to uh, do more recommends and warns or do you want to go on to questions? I would rather run through some of these questions, but that's just me. That's a good question. Hello, Sincast crew. Hello. In this socially distanced time, uh, I was wondering what are the best movie scenes in which there's only one character on screen? Okay. What you think? I made a rule. I made a rule here that I I assumed we were not talking about movies that only have one character on screen the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, Movies that have an ensemble cast, but a standout scene with a single actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the ones that I went with, my favorite one is not a movie. It's from The West Wing. And it's when uh, President Bartlett goes to that famous church in Washington where they always buried famous politicians. And it's um, <clears throat> he's mad at God and he kicks everybody out of the church and lights up a cigarette. <clears throat> And basically yells at God. And this is a, he's playing a Christian character. He's a a man of devout faith, but he's angry at God right now. And then he calls God a feckless thug and puts the cigarette out on the marble floor of the church and walks out. It's one of the coolest scenes ever. And I don't mean that just because he tells God basically to F off. Uh, It's a very, Mm -hmm. very cool scene that shows, you know, his own personal struggle in that moment. Um, with the way God had chosen to work things out. Uh, for movie-wise, I just chose um, uh, Andy's Escape from Shawshank. Um, mm-hmm. Even though there are portions of that flashback where he's not the only one on screen, that section specifically where he crawls out into the water and then goes up into the rain with his arms, mm-hmm. maybe not quite long enough to qualify, um, but it gives me chills every time. There's so much emotion in that scene. And... Uh, it's more posture even than facial expression. Um, it's just really good acting. Anyway. How many times have you seen Shawshank? Oh, Jesus. I've been re- working lately on trying to make an actual top 10 favorite movies list of all time. Uh-huh. And Shawshank is in there. And my criteria is that it would be a great movie that I that I just watch all the time. Um, and so Shawshank's in there, I'd guess, 30, 40 times. 
Wow. I'd wow. Bet that's that up there. How many times I've seen it too. I used to have yeah. it on VHS. Yeah, and, the, and the, the, uh, I don't know the roughly 15 VHS tapes that I had got some serious mileage <laughs> and AMC oh. plays it like every other day. They so. do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Did you not collect VHSs before you started collecting DVDs? No, uh, VHS for a little bit, you got to remember that first, yeah, first off, no, I didn't just go out to buy movies back then. Uh, but second, it was hard to buy movies back then because they would, they would price them for rental. Mm Uh, so they would, they would, they would make a tape $99 or something like that when it would come out, uh, for rental. And so I don't know that it was discouraging to actually go and try to buy VHS tapes, but DVDs weren't too far around the corner uh, mm. at that point. And then, yeah, DVDs, I started to, to, to get into quite a bit, mainly because of all the commentaries and stuff like that were on there. It was really fun mm-hmm. to, to get DVDs. So, um, what you think? Um, so there were three that I came up with, um, the, that Delroy Lindo scene into five bloods. God, that's so good. That's what was on the tip of my tongue when I was going to answer this. I was like, I've seen something recently where it's Mm -hmm. just absolutely riveting for how long do you think that scene lasts? Uh, it's probably like two or three minutes. Maybe it feels forever though. Yeah, it does. I, I think that's, way. yeah, it's in a good way. I, I think it's uh, one of those things where it, ha- where something happens for so long that you think, oh, it must've been like 10 minutes, but I think it's really like two or three minutes, but maybe even less, uh, yeah. I might even be overshooting it, but, um, that one, uh, the one where the camera shaking in fight club <laughs> on uh, Brad Pitt, uh, I love that scene. And then there's the scene, uh, where Buster Keaton, uh, is, uh, you know, he's, he, there's that famous shot of him standing there while this big, huge, like house falls down, like the, the side of a house falls down <laughs> and, and, and it just so happens that he's standing where the window is. Yeah, he's so got some it, iron nuts, man. To do and that. yeah. And that, and that was back in the day. He, that was a real fucking heavy <laughs> thing that fell down that he could have died doing yeah. that. You could see the dust like just plume out as soon as it hits, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just so, like, I'm good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, uh, those, those are the ones that I came up with. Um, the, uh, I'm trying, I think it's steamboat bill jr. That does that. That's the movie, uh, that he does that. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I've got one that has kind of a story. Uh, I don't like this movie. I've been on record by saying I don't like this movie because it, it creeps me out of the age difference and the sexual experience difference, but call me by your name. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd say the ending of that movie by far is my favorite part. The part where, from where, uh, Michael Stuhlbarg has that, this could actually be in that, uh, an answer too is when he has that conversation with his son about love and what it meant to him and how it got away from him. All that to the phone call later on uh, to, to everything else. But what, what really gets me, and I'll tell the story in a second, what really gets me 
is the final shot over the credits of Timothy Chalamet's character uh, just looking into the fire uh, mm-hmm. and tearing up and recalling this entire affair, which I do think is creepy, but recalling his feelings, his emotions, his love that was wrapped up in this affair just over a summer. I mean, this is winter now when we're seeing the scene uh, is absolutely riveting. Now, here's a story. So Chris and I saw this on a jaunty little Wednesday or something like that. We go uh, to see Call Me By Your Name. We frolicked. We frolicked frolicked. into the theater. And uh, as we are wont to do, uh, we typically will get up and start making our way out of the exit, um, unless it's a Marvel movie or something like that, uh, during the credits. You know, I love people that, that watch credits and watch it all the way to the end. They are true movie lovers. I don't need that typically. I don't need to see who the key grip is in the second camera operator. But this seemed so arresting because it almost looked like a still shot. You know, those freeze frames at the end of old sitcoms where they'd be like, ha ha. Yeah. Just like a bit laughing on it. I thought that's what this was going to be at one point. But then you see the fire flickering and then you see the tears start streaming down. And Chris mm-hmm. and I just stopped in the aisle and watch the entire thing. And it was absolutely. And I think at the end of it, I was like, I'm glad we stayed. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. really, really good. So yeah. that, that, that is an effective scene. Uh, again, not sold on the whole movie, but that's good stuff. That, that convinced me that Timothy Chalamet is really upper echelon uh, when it comes to acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one that I came up with, and this is cheating a bit, so this is on the Pleasantville soundtrack. Remember Pleasantville? We all like Pleasantville. Yeah. Uh, there was a Fiona Apple song. Well, there's a Beatles song that was covered by Fiona Apple called Across the Universe. And this is mm-hmm. the nothing's gonna change my world. Mm-hmm. And have you guys, I know Chris has seen it. Jeremy, have you seen the video for this? Mm-mm. Okay. It's black and white. Like the, uh, the beginning of Pleasantville is. or, or Like when half first of Fiona Apple's career has been. Black and white, right? I don't know. Yeah, it's just actually, a joke. no, no. There are. I feel there like are. a lot of her music videos are black and white. They are, I and a Shadow, lot of Shadow them. Boxer was. Yes, and a lot of them have been shot by the person who shot this, Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, what they do is uh, the, the if you remember in Pleasantville, they really attack the diner at the end because Jeff Daniels is spreading, uh, you know, all these theories about love and sex and dirty things and paintings and shit and colors. Mm-hmm. Especially and, uh, paintings. So uh, the, the video takes place at that point where all it's the like are, are like attacking the diner. But Fiona Apple is singing this song serenely in the corner while all this chaos is going on. And the camera never leaves her. There's a point where she moves across the, the thing, uh, the diner, and out of nowhere, it's focused on her face. Out of nowhere, she starts turning upside down. And it really does. You can see her hair just like spill out underneath her and all the way right side up. And it's a beautiful version of a beautiful song. She is gorgeous. And that juxtaposed with all of the other craziness in the background is absolutely riveting. Jeremy, I'll send it to you because I think you would really, really dig it. It's awesome. Okay. Alrighty. Listening to the BetterHelp ad and a question for the podcast came to mind. I love this. What are some examples of good and bad therapists in entertainment? 
for me, Heavy Rain, an awful video game. The main character had depression and is suicidal, and the therapist is like, that doesn't surprise me. That's weird. Mm. Okay. Mm. But Heavy uh, Rain was one of those first video games that was basically uh, a movie that you oh, just really? make choices every now and then. It was pretty well regarded, I think, um, when it came out in terms of like reviews. Interesting. Um, I immediately um check my notes i immediately thought of entourage um because therapy was always just an excuse to show ari being a dick oh the couples Um, therapy with uh perry perry gilpin perry well yes perry Perry reese um and for a couple seasons it's nora dunn from saturday night live fame who's their therapist they have more than one therapist the problem is the therapy scenes Tell me if you think I'm wrong. I always felt like the therapy scenes were kind of treating therapy the way the 80s and 90s treated therapy. Like, oh, as like no a, doubt. It's like a joke. Like, oh, I gotta go to therapy with my wife. No my eyes. Because every time there was something um, important for them to talk about, Ari was always there to tell you, like, this is the most important thing in my life right now. This, this deal that I'm trying to yeah. try and, and they, and the show makes it seem ridiculous that the therapist would even uh, demand any time uh, during these type of things. That's, that's what, that's what I got out of. Yeah. 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 It was often played as, as just a, a joke and a way to show him being, being an asshole to his wife. That relationship is very complex because the show wants to think it's got Homer and Marge Simpson on its mm-hmm. hands mm-hmm. where the husband is not so great, but there's a true love there. But I never felt like that. I felt like Ari was just abusive of her constantly. And the therapy yeah. sessions were just a way to, to do that comedically. And it always, it always bothered me a little bit. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the only thing that saved that aesthetic was that he never cheated. Right. Until the, right. the, the very end when he gets with, is it Babs? Is it uh Christmas vacation? Is it uh, her? No, oh, Beverly D'Angelo. Yeah, Beverly oh. D'Angelo. No, who is it? Remember. Anyway, uh, I don't. I don't. Yeah, it's that's definitely an example of a bad one. Do you have a? Did you did you have a good one that you were about to do, Jeremy? No, nope, that's all I wrote down. Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, uh, the bad one that I thought of was uh, Doctor Beth Garner, played by Gene Triplehorn in Basic Instinct. Um, <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> She's such a bad oh, therapist. Oh, <laughs> God. Now, in Basic Instinct, everything is uh, <laughs> ridiculous, and I would say almost on purpose. Uh, I would say on purpose, not almost on purpose. Uh, I think everything in that movie, the the ethics lines that are crossed <laughs> all the way through this movie, um, it, it you know, nobody should, nobody comes out like, you know, looking good in this movie at all. But, uh, she is his former lover and is the station's therapist. So like the, the very mere mention of her being her, his therapist, uh, Michael Douglas's therapist in this movie is, is crossing lines that is, uh, is, uh, is beyond, like and in all of San Francisco, you can't find another therapist. <laughs> There's no. You gotta get them. And everybody knows that they. Everybody knows that they fucked. There's not any like. 
there's not, I mean, that's not a secret. So yeah. it's not like, uh, it's not like, oh, well, we'll, we'll send him with Beth and it'll be all right. Cause she's a good therapist. No, they already know that. Cause they ask her like, <laughs> you'd be able to be objective about this. <laughs> and, yeah. And then, and then of course, you know, there's, I mean, even as they're, so it had this so-called professional distance there that even then when she comes, she comes over to his apartment. Oh yeah. And then he like, you know, he, he, uh, he, I mean, I don't even know what you call that sex scene. It is. It's it's like, it's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty wrong. Um, and, and especially considering the relationship they're supposed to have at the time. So I would say that is one of the worst, uh, therapists I've seen now. Yeah. I do not know if uh, if Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting is a good therapist. I don't know. I think that it's. I think that it's. Uh, I think that he is, but I think it's only because the movie says he is. Maybe mm. I don't mm. know. Is is Robin Williams a good therapist in Goodwill Hunting? Would you know? Would Would you be able to tell me that? I uh, think I would I'll be able to tell you that, and I think he is. Yeah, I think, I think he is. I think just because he adapts specifically to that client's issues, like because that client is basically a hostile witness at first, and mm-hmm. Robin Williams, a good therapist, will adjust the treatment as needed. Um, I do think where the movie cheats on the therapy is that is that payoff end that makes me cry. But I don't think there's ever been a therapy session in real life where somebody said to someone, "It's not your fault." 15 times in a row and they ended by cry hugging and everything was all better after that. No, that's, Um, that's the part. It's the aftermath. That's the bullshit part. But I, I think the method by which he gets that reaction, he finally found it. He finally found it because a, he's had experience with it. So they, they can bond over this very traumatic event and b him, him saying that that's why when uh, will says, don't do this to me, man, not, not you, not you saying that you understand what I'm doing until he gives them an example of it. And I think that's correct. But yes, everything being hunky dory afterwards is some bullshit. Well, and it matters that the timing is important too, uh, of when he does that. It's not your fault thing, because if he had done that on the second session, it wouldn't have done any good. It It was that moment he saw like a fighter. He saw his chance, his window, and he went for it. Um, it do, it does feel a little too neat to me, um, because in my personal experience, again, I don't have any experience on the therapist side, but my personal experience that the progress does not come in huge emotional crying waves. It comes in little fits and starts. Um, but it's a movie, it, and I understand yeah, yeah. why it's in there. But yeah, I think I he's al- a good therapist. Yeah, I always wondered, like, if the movie. I mean, I thought he was, but if there's if there's like any lines being crossed here, obviously before it really gets into the therapy, uh, Matt Damon does push him over the line, and he does like nearly strangle him over something. But like, once Robin Williams has that, you know, like a you know, I had this epiphany and I went to went to sleep and I never thought of you again, park bench speech and everything. Um, I, I, you know, the, the one thing that about his character is that they keep, he keeps saying like, you know, I teach it. I'm not good at it. I'm not good at being a therapist. I just teach this stuff. But uh, the things that I always thought were good about it. And like I said, I don't, I'm not professional to, to be able to, to uh, be able to evaluate, but 
you know, at first he, he, he plays that, uh, you know, he plays really like tough. He can't speak before he does Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. He gets that. And then finally they start (laughs) talking and they feel like buds and everything. But then Damon comes in and he starts bullshitting a bunch. And that's when I think is my favorite part of the movie is when, Robin Williams is like, look, if you're just going to waste our time, just go fucking, just go back and, you know, whatever. And, um, and he's like, so what? I thought we were friends. It's like, this is night today, man. Just, just get the fuck out of here. And, uh, and, uh, that's one of the, one of my favorite parts of that movie is that it's not all like, I've got to be your friend. This is not exactly. the point. Exactly. Exactly. He's like, so. I want to be a shepherd. And then on, <laughs> on his way out, he's like, fuck you. And he's like, you're the shepherd. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. One I don't the, really understand of, that line, but I I get the implication, but it doesn't really work. But it's funny, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, uh, is that, is that, that what you got? Yeah. No, Unsurprisingly, I have I have many, and I'll try to go through it. <laughs> um, I'm gonna. I've already talked about Marissa Tomei recently uh, in The Watcher. <laughs> she and Jim, oh. Jimmy Spade want to want to get it on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, one of the all time worst psychiatrists. It's the one in Seinfeld, the one that whisks Elaine away, oh, who is his patient, yeah. <laughs> to Italy. Oh, yeah. And she's, he's got a hold he of her. like to a, meet her boyfriend. <laughs> oh, my God. He's, uh, he, he's got a hold over her like a Svenjali. <laughs> and and she, this is played for laughs, but God, that's awful. And then Kramer comes in as Penny Packer or whatever, and, uh, and he's... Well, no, Elaine confesses to it. She's like, I've seen somebody else, Kramer. And he's like, uh, what kind of relation? Sexually? And she's like, yep, sexually. <laughs> <laughs> and then by the end of it, Kramer's like, no, 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 you guys have to stay together. I'm like, oh, my God, that's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's that's bad. Uh, did, you guys, did you guys ever see Side Effects, the Steven Soderbergh movie? Mm. With, uh, I saw it, yeah. Somebody uh, scared me off of it. I think it was probably Chris or you. I love this movie. I, I, no, I, not because it's bad, but because it would trigger me. Um. Okay. Okay. I don't know if there's anything specific, but it is about mental illness and, and stuff like that. And there is some violence in there. Um. But uh, Jude Law plays, uh, is it Rooney Mara that's that's in that? I believe it's I think so. Thank you. Uh, Jude Law plays her state mandated therapist after an incident happens and you, he starts off being fantastic because he's he's probing, like he's trying to figure out what really is going on here. Was it really a side effects of the Oblixa drug or whatever it is? Um, then a previous psychiatrist, Catherine Zeta-Jones' character, is revealed to be very inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> so, and then Jude Law ends the movie being very inappropriate and they're both terrible for very different reasons. And it's such a good movie, though. I want everybody to watch it, um, except if you're triggered by certain things. Um, mm. I want to say some good examples. I have always said that Lorraine Bracco in The Sopranos is the hero of that whole fucking story. Mm. Uh, because much like Robin Williams in uh, Goodwill Hunting, she doesn't put up with Tony's bullshit. She, mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of machismo that he's going to bring and she'll just like a matador, just bypass it. And then she'll get to the root of the matter. And sometimes he gets it. Sometimes he doesn't. My favorite part of that entire series, when it comes to the therapy things 
is the scene, and this is a, a little bit um, disturbing, is the scene in, or the episode in which she's raped. And oh, uh, yeah. it really shows the perspective, her perspective, her going to her therapist and mm-hmm. talking through all that stuff. Peter Bogdanovich plays her therapist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I tell you what, man, you have never felt weird or rooting for a character to do something and they don't do it. In, or, or at least I haven't. There's a scene at the mm-hmm. very, very end of that episode. Oh, I, exactly what I what I thought of when you brought this up. When when she doesn't look like she's engaged. It's it's a, a therapy session between her and Tony. And Tony, uncharacteristically, actually, notices that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And he's like, are you okay? And she's like, I'm fine. Let's keep going with this. And he's like, are you, you sure you're okay? And he says it in a way, in a different way. He says, is there anything I can do for you? And she, I think this thing's called Rabid. Is it Rabid Dog? That's a Breaking Bad episode thing. But she's having these dreams of a dog being unleashed on her rapist. And uh, she thinks about that dream. And he's like, can I do anything for you? And all she has to do is tell him. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. says, no. She says, no. Yeah. And I'm like, and that's, that's a fucking ends. good therapist. Now, d- that's almost like a gone baby gone situation where do you agree with that or do you not agree with that? This guy deserves justice, but is it this, the kind of justice that Tony delivers? You know what I mean? Does this cross the bounds yeah. of a, a patient relationship? Firmly uh, on she, the side of what the show does. On and that. she makes yeah. the right call because she's the hero of the fucking series. Here's what I like about her as a therapist are the, all the times we see her adamantly defending her treatment of a mobster to her husband and her own therapist as as, as his crimes do not matter to me. This is a person who needs help. Yep. It's the kind of help I can provide. And all series long, she is steadfast in that. Uh, <clears throat> and I always appreciated that, even though I'm not sure if I was a therapist, I would take a client like Tony. I don't know that I would, but I always thought that's what I want in my therapist is somebody who sees me as somebody in need of their help and not whatever my sins are. Um, yeah. Yeah. A human character, a human character. Uh, and she writes that legal line too, uh, because he doesn't overtly tell her about all of his crimes. So, uh, yeah, that's, I could talk about that all day. Matter of fact, we should come back to this segment and we can talk (laughs) about that stuff. I do want to mention Alan Arkin in gross point blank is a good, uh, uh, example and uh, mm-hmm. Patricia Bethune, uh, who is Sally's therapist in Mad Men, is thankfully oh, yeah. a fantastic representation of a child and adolescent therapist. Uh, they take her, Sally or uh, January Jones takes her in uh, because she was found masturbating. And this therapist shows so much empathy and realizes that a lot of this comes from the mom. And all that. So uh, yeah, it, it's a terrific representation. Mm-hmm. Let's do one mm-hmm. more quick one. Uh, mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. do we want to say, uh, Jeremy, that Able or Currents is out all the way out? Sure. What the okay. fuck? Who cares? In I mean, honor. Well, <laughs> yes, it's out. I do like those hardcovers, by the way. Yeah, uh, pretty. In honor of the third Able's book by Mr. Jeremy Scott, mm-hmm. Currents. Mm-hmm which mm-hmm. you can get now and mm-hmm. should get now. And the mm-hmm. other two books that precede it, because it's awesome. Uh, here's this question. 
Uh, the Ables is an awesome series. I agree. Thank uh, you, if it were you. going to be made into a series of movies, who would you choose for the director, screenwriter, and composer? Now, we could do the cast, but that would take a long time, and we don't know that many kid actors. So, at least for the first one. So, we are all going to do director, screenwriter, and composer. Go, Mr. Author Man. All right. So, I have obviously thought about this a lot uh, because I was picturing this in my head. One of the reasons it's hard to do actors is that I have a gap between each book. There's like a three-year gap between the first two books, and there's a four-year gap between the second and third book, and then there's a 15-year gap before the fourth book. And so if you were to shoot all of them as their own movies, you would nearly have to recast all the kid roles every like, film. Like do an It Chapter 2 type of thing? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Or, yeah, or do it, make it look uncanny valley-like. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with my man Brad Bird to direct because mm -hmm. he has proven that he can do family adventure and superhero adventure with The Incredibles. Um, <clears throat> he has proven to me with Ghost Protocol that he can do live action. Um, I want Lord Miller to write the script. Nice. Um, they've been involved in writing a lot more scripts than you might realize. Um, a lot of the stuff they produced, they had a hand in writing. Of course, they wrote the Lego movie. Um, I just think they have a very modern comic sensibility um, <clears throat> that would lend itself well to Brad Bird's kind of direction style and fun action. Uh, and then for composer, I have to go with my boy, Giacchino, 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 um, <laughs> who has worked with Brad Bird a couple times um, and uh, a couple few times, I think. Didn't he mm -hmm. do Ghost Protocol? I think so. I think Chiquino did Ghost Protocol and then Ratatouille and Incredibles and Incredibles 2. Uh, but he is my favorite current uh, composer. Uh, I am a little worried that because I think he's everybody's favorite composer. I'm a little worried that Chiquino is being a little over like saturated, like they're using him for everything now. And I, I don't want to lose any of his uniqueness. But that's who I would go with. I can see some strong Remember lost or that section in Star Trek into darkness where the the guy needs the blood to save his daughter. And it's just this very basic piano driven. Doom, 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 doom. But he just finds the exact right notes and holds them just the longest. He can, I can hear a lot of that kind of basic piano theme stuff working behind the enables. So there's me. Nice. I actually like your guys' answers a ton. So <laughs> what you got, Chris? Uh, I went, I went into the Harry Potter well and, uh, and put David Yates as the director Ooh, nice. uh, because the Ables does have a lot in common with Harry Potter mm -hmm. uh, and David Yates, um, uh, I think steered Harry Potter pretty well. And I, I, I wouldn't blame him for how fantastic beasts has, uh, has come out and everything mm -hmm. because that's more rolling, I think, than, yeah anything so david yates i think when when he first appeared i believe was order of the phoenix in the harry potter series and uh i i wasn't a big fan of that book and i thought it i think it's one of the better movies of mm -hmm. the series and uh and uh and he and i was i didn't know who he was but then i was like oh, i want to see more out of this guy and i don't know if i've seen much more other than harry potter from him but uh, he was, he's able to guide that type of stuff by, um, by default that makes Steve Cloves the screenwriter. Mm. Uh, 
uh, Cloves, uh, before Harry Potter, may have been best known as the Wonder Boys uh, writer. Nice. Uh, I love that movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, and Cloves has done a lot of stuff, but I believe Wonder Boys was, was one of the big ones. That also defaults the composer to John Williams, uh, who you can't go wrong with. Um, and, I, you know, we didn't do the full cast, but uh i did three for the cast uh, you know the not the kids i had ian mckellen as finch yeah. oh yeah i yeah. had chris, chris pine as the dad and i had julia styles as the mom Ooh. and uh alice and janney as crouch so i like all of those nice. gotta have to put janney in some makeup but man she could nail that that woman perfectly that's <laughs> think, very uh, very good call mm-hmm. all right i got oh i've got a fun trio a threesome. Yeah. Oh, All right. yeah, of course. <clears throat> I, too, am going to dive into the Harry Potter well, weirdly enough, Ooh. with Alfonso Cuaron. I Ooh. think uh, this guy can do anything. He's shown that he can work with the kids cast in uh, uh, the uh, Emperor's Tree of Life. Um, it's the third Harry fucking Potter one. Jesus, Prince of uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. We did Prisoner of Azkaban, yeah. Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, obviously, he can work with uh, with effects like in Gravity. Obviously, he can hit the emotional stuff like he did in Roma, where it hit Jeremy mm. right in the feels. Mm. Uh, I think this is this is perfect for him. I'll tell you uh, what: if I ever was told that Alfonso Cuarón was going to direct a movie version of The Ables, I would shit everyone's pants <laughs> like i would come over to your house and shit in your pants and yeah. then go over to chris's house and shit in his pants yeah. along and the way shit god in damn pants. who shat my pants <laughs> this doesn't look like the cats <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious okay okay we gotta we gotta put we gotta do an adaptation of the fine words of jeremy scott into movie uh, stuff and the perfect person to do that is our boy Drew Goddard. Yeah, the man who adapted The Martian. He mm-hmm. did Cabin in the Woods, which is exactly Jeremy's sense of humor. Uh, he did Bad Times at the El Royale. He wrote Cloverfield. He wrote a lot on Buffy and Angel mm-hmm. and Alias mm-hmm. and Lost. Uh, the guy is absolutely perfect as a screenwriter for this material. I think. I agree. That's a very good call. And it's interesting that you brought up Lord Miller and Lego movie and everything. What I thought was really cool about that. And weirdly enough, Thor Ragnarok was getting Mark Mothersbaugh to score it mm. and mm-hmm. to, to have this very synthy, very Devo-y, very like kind of, uh, I, I don't know, eighties ish sound. And I could imagine that going really, really well uh, with this material and we're going to have to dust her off because she's been in quarantine for a while. Uh, but the person who worked probably the most with uh, Stanley Kubrick on his music is Wendy Carlos. And mm. if you imagine the synthy score of uh, Clockwork Orange, uh, obviously the droney score of The Shining, uh, but uh, more so on the kind of trippy, moogie, synthy type of thing, I think that would be awesome. That's my threesome. And I like it. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. Jamie's going to come like and it. shit in your pants. I like yeah. all of them. 
for our special Patreon members, Jeremy yeah, will come yeah. over and shit in your Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the nine and three quarters uh, uh, <laughs> tier level. <laughs> Uh, that's going to do it uh, for this week. Keep going to Cine. Uh, well, keep going somewhere. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Go somewhere. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, keep going to Sincast presented by Cinema Sins on Facebook. We're also on Cinema Sins Twitter, Music Video Sins Twi- Twitter uh discord if you want to get on discord you can go to our reddit page and find the link on the right side there or you can go to facebook and private message me and i can give you a link there and we're also on soundcloud that's going to do it for this week uh it's chris atkins and jeremy scott and barrett share we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and reddit and be sure to visit cinemasins.com So when I do listen to satellite radio, like I'll I'll listen to Lithium a lot more than I will Alt Nation or uh, the Indie One or whatever. I've just kind of given in. Like I love '90s music; it makes me nostalgic. I like it. I could explore many many other things. I do explore many many other things, but given my druthers, mm-hmm. I think I would probably listen to '90s music. Mm-hmm. I just I love it. It makes it it makes me happy. Yeah, yeah. I uh, okay. I will. I will frequently, well, not frequently, but uh, occasionally I'll get tired of all the same rotation of songs being played on Alt Nation, and I'll go over to yeah. um, Lithium. And, and I do uh, wish like it a, was still socially acceptable to wrap a flannel around my waist and tie it off, because <laughs> yeah, came in handy. You know what, though? You know what? Flannel is goddamn comfortable. And so, yes, I should be... I should be able to wear flannel. Are you wearing a jacket? Or- no, but I have it around my waist in case I need it. Um, <laughs> Maybe a touch too loud. Like a little, just a, I'm not going to say it. Perfect. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Yeah, but I get, <laughs> the, I get the sense that you still say that a lot. I really, I really want to say it. <laughs> God, it's such an awful term. I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to figure out if I would have thought it was an awful term ten years ago, or if it's just my new, like you know, sensitive ears or whatever. But God damn, that's an awful term. Yeah. Uh, who was using it uh, uh, in an interview? I was. It was a woman that was using it. Like what a sensitive c word I was. But the rest of it, it was a Hollywood Reporter article. And she said that she was a sensitive C word, but then the rest of it was like, oh, fucking this and fucking that and mm. fucking that. That's the only word they censored in that article. God, who was that? Anne Hathaway? No, you were talking about Anne Hathaway. Yeah, don't put the C word in somebody's mouth like without full knowledge of who it, who it belongs to. God, I didn't mean it that way. I said some pretty foul shit uh, last time Barrett and I golfed together. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> About machine gun Kelly, yeah, and how he has he has made Megan Fox less attractive to me. Oh, he also n- neither one of us actually used this phrase in frustration, but I could have sworn Jeremy said "piss fuck," uh, and I didn't. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> profanity. Right. What I had actually and then done. I said something else. What I had actually done said his- was said. If in anger, this is fun. 
because I was not having fun in that moment. But what he heard was piss fuck, and, and I created an accidental new uh, swear word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those combos are fun, man. <laughs> what a day to record, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I assume you'll Whatever do you want mean? to stamp the date, and you know the universe could look completely different by the time this is released. Yeah, wouldn't it be weird if, like, you know, cities are on fire and our podcast is like, yeah. here's the mailbag. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, drop a new podcast today. I'm going to rant about pigs about- in a blanket. Yeah. <laughs> People, it's like a road situation where Vigo Mortensen's got a shopping cart. <laughs> I think um, what's funny is that our our not work chat um, Slack room is as busy as all of the work-related Slack. What are they called? They're not called chat rooms. Channels. They're channels. Channels. The chat rooms, though. It's a Yahoo chat room in a fancier name. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we were watching uh, that um, Yes, God, Yes movie I had recommended previously. Uh-huh. And in the uh-huh. beginning of that, did either of you watch that? Not yet. Uh, no, in the beginning of that, she's in a Yahoo chat room with like the various colored names and whatnot. And my wife was like, what the hell is that? And I was like, oh, God. Like, there's just, <laughs> there's just little, these little slices that, that show the, the age difference between she and I, where she never spent time in a Yahoo chat room. And I have vivid memories of spending time in a Yahoo chat room. When is that set then? Is it's that set, set in, in like uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Did you say it's uh, Natalia Dyer? Yeah. Oh, Emma Roberts is uh, 30, almost 30, I think. I think she might be 29. God, you're so good at this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's exactly 29. (laughs) (laughs) There was a time I remember Jeremy bringing her up (laughs) and going, oh, I don't know if I can even say that she's attractive. I was like, dude, she's way more than 18. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she is a fine filly. Mm-hmm. Came sprang from the uh, the balls of Eric Roberts. Yes, it's oh, true. All right. <clears throat> true. Yeah. Didn't we all? We all didn't did. we all? Yeah, I was just thinking that we all we all really did. Yeah. Either everybody is either descended from Eric Roberts or Steve Garvey. <laughs> did you say Steve Garvey? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, there was the joke about him being the father of our country back in the uh, 80s because he had like so many uh, illegitimate children. He had like a Travis Henry amount of kids. I don't know if he had a Travis Henry amount, but he had apparently he had many. But I don't know. I, I, I'll need to look that up because that used to be a thing. That used to be a thing that people joked about was. And you know what? It'll probably end up that Steve Garvey has like one other kid, <laughs> and they made it out made it out like he's got like 500 or something. Was it uh, Antonio Cromartie that was on the Jets yeah. that had like 13 kids by 13 different <laughs> women? Insane, man. I don't know how you deal with it. But the, One in but each I of remember the 13 original colonies. Hard, yes. There was, uh, there was that episode of Hard Knocks where like they made him go through all of them. Oh, yeah. He had to like name them all. <laughs> and he didn't. And he, like, he really had to think about a few of those. <laughs> and then age, he was like, I give up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know how old. Once it gets past. Five. 
Yeah. <laughs> you got to be you got to be Will Hunting to be. I mean, Philip Rivers has Maki, Robbie, Robbie. Philip Rivers has eight kids with the same woman and I bet he has trouble figure, remembering. It's weird that he's both one of the first people that ever publicly called out Weinstein at an award show mm-hmm. and also the guy that sang the We Saw Your Boobs song at an yep. award show. Yep. It's yep. weird that he's both like, of those people. I, I is that a bad are, are we all in agreement that that was a bad choice? The boob song? Yeah. 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 I, are you I, not? I, I, don't... Nah. I mean, I, th- I thought it was kind of funny. I don't think it would play today in the era post. No. That's no, all I'm no, saying no. is that, yeah. you know, he was both one of the guys that in the Me Too era when Weinstein was going down, everybody was posting that video saying, this guy was telling you all along. He made jokes on Family Guy about it. Um mm. And yet, he's the same guy who would make what would now be considered tone deaf, but at the time, maybe wasn't. At, I, I remember when it came on, I was cringing, but I was cringing for the women as much as anything. Well, but they, they made you cringe, right? Because those weren't the actual shots of the actresses in the audience. Those were from other awards so- shows. Mm-hmm. I don't. I have no idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they they edited in like what was it, uh, Sybil Shepherd or like fucking Emma Stone or something like that. Not Emma Stone, but uh, Jennifer Lawrence, I think, was one. It's, it's one of those. They, it was from a previous ceremony. It's one of those things where there's like a half and half, right? Like uh, some probably don't like being reminded uh, of all of that, but then yeah, others yeah, are yeah. just like, yeah, I know, I did that, I own it, and all that. And it's not like they did anything wrong. Um, yeah, it's. But, I, th- I thought he was pointing out the the sp- pedantry or the stupidity of most of the American audience. Like that's all I can think about. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, even even Anne Hathaway when she was uh, she was I think it was when she was host uh, with James Franco came up and she had done Love and Other Drugs that that year and she came up and he says. He's like, I'm really upset. I didn't get nominated. Usually, when you get naked, you 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 get you get uh, get nominated. I didn't get nominated this year. <laughs> uh, you know, she went on this whole thing about being naked and not getting nominated. But you know, I mean, I don't know. It's one of those. It's one of those things where it's it's hard to it's hard to really give a wholehearted laugh to it. Um. Yeah. 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 Because, because you're not sure. It's just unnecessary. I mean, I don't know. It, 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 there, I, I'm trying to think if that's something that you're sitting there. If that's some, if that's some sort of truth that you're sitting there thinking that all the time. I know that. I know that when uh, you know during the Ashley Judd years of my movie theater experience and everything, it was <laughs> it was weird for me. And of course, I was like twenty something years old, like twenty years old mm-hmm. when all this was going on. Uh, it was weird for me that I had seen so many movies where she was naked and I would come down and sit mm. there and talk to her. Uh, and you know, and, and it was just, it was weird. So, so that is something that's on your mind occasionally. I just don't know if that's the place to, to do it. Might not be. I mean, it's like that Seinfeld where like he wants her, she's naked. His girlfriend is naked all the time and he wants her to cover her up. Yeah. And then when she does, he can't stop imagining her naked. Yeah. And she can't stop imagining him not naked. <laughs> Let's yeah. get off boobs. You can make that. <laughs> Let's get off you boobs. Can, I just get off yours. You can make that joke though with just a, a single line. If you want to if you want to make the joke that most of America 
only remembers whose boobs they saw this year. Say that. That's a punchline. Maybe you get a laugh, maybe you don't, but you wrote a whole goddamn musical number about it. That's where it yeah. felt a little cringy to me. And it was long, too. Because <laughs> he wanted to show off how good he could sing and sell records, which he did. He's got a good voice. He does. The thing that bothers me about McFarlane, and I generally like his humor, even though I don't watch Family Guy, is the casualness of the the crystal line in that movie. Yeah. You know, these rich black people uh, can't all be wrong. Yeah. And it's like, did, did you need that one in there? Mm-hmm. Like, well, uh, And it's just so thrown away that it's not emphasized enough to make it obvious that it's humor. Yeah. And that's the kind of shit that I, I, I don't like. And the same goes for the uh, one where the girl, the woman says that her boyfriend was deported back to Iran. And he goes, well, I guess we both yeah. lost our furry guy. And it's it, uh, it makes no sense in the context. It's just a joke for joke's sake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you would not say that, right? So like, I just I, it's it's stuff like that where you're like, you went so far to make that joke. Could you have not maybe just not done it? You know, <laughs> and it would have been fine. You know, you, mm-hmm. is your is, is is the number of laughs in your movie not enough without it? That's what I would have been sitting yeah. there thinking while editing this movie is do I know and and it's yeah and it's the jokes that do make fun of that like in family guy where Stewie's about to make the racial joke mm-hmm. and he looks around the party yeah. he doesn't see anybody and he looks around this and he goes like outside <laughs> to the, like the valets and all that shit and he comes back in and he's like okay and then the guy steps out from behind a tree yeah he gets, gets out like, of a potted plant <laughs> <laughs> that's a well thought out joke i yeah. think that points out the irresponsibility of making that joke any other time yeah, yeah. So I would read it and I would be in the middle of it going, wait a minute. I think I'm supposed to kind of start emphasizing these words first and then go on yeah. into this next thing so that I can end on a question. And like, <laughs> and like I would be sitting there going, blah, 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 blah. And then, oh, shit. Yeah, this is a question. And then I would start it again and forget that. And then <laughs> get about halfway through it. And, um, and so, like, uh, yeah, I, they're they're not going to get very many uh, me uh, yelling uh, obscenities into the microphone recordings because I always just because I'm doing it on audition, so I go back and like oh. <laughs> go over that. Oh, wow. I just learned. <laughs> no, no, that that was that was a, a highlight. Whenever we were editing the videos <laughs> ourselves, to. Uh, here, here you go. Fuck, fuck this fucking fucking shit. <laughs> bullshit. It's a fucking bullshit.